first and only NBA podcast, probably. I am your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Mike Miller to my Michael Doliak, my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, buddy? It's going good. I'm tired today, but it's going good. Yeah. Last yeah. night kind of wore me out. <laughs> I feel ya. Um, I am, uh, I am all levels of tired right now. Um, and uh, it's not going to get better over the next few days for me. So you got back <laughs> from camp uh, a couple days ago. I'm headed to camp tomorrow. Um, at least we get to see Flicker Stick tonight in concert for the yes. first time in 20 years. Um, very, very excited about that. I will be less excited about how much I enjoyed Flicker Stick when I have to get up like three hours after I go to bed in the morning to drive to camp. Um, so we'll see how much. Still worth it, in my opinion. <laughs> Lord, please, please let them be good tonight. Uh, that would that would be my hear my prayer. Um, we are going to talk about the NBA draft. That's all we're going to talk about today. We are especially not going to talk about Kyrie Irving. This is literally the only time you will hear his name mentioned. I will not talk about Kyrie Irving until something actually happens. I'm so tired of the garbage that we get. The the Ben Simmons principle is what we're doing. I, good gracious. We may bring up Kevin Durant at some point. I am not bringing up Kyrie Irving ever again, other than to say it's possible that the Knicks will sign him. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. I'm so tired of Kyrie Irving talk. And it drove me crazy on the broadcast last night. It drove me crazy on a couple of the podcasts I listened to this morning. Well, obviously, we have to talk about Kyrie Irving. No, we don't. This is a draft podcast. Talk about the draft. I Good gracious. Um, we're going to go through, Tobin, we're just going to go through the teams alphabetically. I think that's a better way to do it than to go pick by pick. Number one, pick by pick takes forever. But um, number two, I just think it's better to look at teams' drafts as a whole, not as necessarily individual pick. Although, I'm sure... For both of us, maybe there may be a moment where you say, hey, I don't know why you take this guy here instead of that guy that was available or whatever else. But for the most part, we're going through um, pick by pick from Atlanta to Washington. Um, I do want to start with this. I'm going to be I maybe I'm going to be old man is is angry at clouds guy. Um, The ESPN broadcast last night was embarrassing. I I cannot believe I can because this is what I've come to. This is come. This is what I've come to um, expect from ESPN, which is really sad. But I cannot believe that on a night like this, not that the the NBA draft is the Super Bowl, Tobin, or something like that, but this is a major sporting event. It's pretty that you close. Have the, yeah, yeah. The, that you have the exclusive rights to. That a lot of people put a lot of that, like the NBA and their partners, ESPN, TNT, everybody has done a great, great, great job of building up the anticipation, the knowledge base, honestly, that have gone into making the offseason like a bonus part of the season and like something that people get really interested and excited about. Um, And that begins as soon as the finals end. It's not that long. It's a two or three week spin um, that is rife with, with excitement, with anticipation, with, um, Instagram posts and Twitter tweets and, and all this sort of stuff. It's a huge part of, of what makes the NBA, what brings the NBA closer and closer to being a year round thing, the way that fo- that the NFL is a year round thing. It's never going to be the NFL. We all know that that's not what I'm saying, but they've done a fantastic job of, of building this off season building the offseason into a, a major sporting event. And it starts with the draft. And for the draft, your two choices on the broadcast were Kendrick Perkins, 
I yeah, let that Perkins, sink in. Let that sink in. I I don't. I do not understand how or why we have gotten to a place where Kendrick Perkins is a major part of NBA coverage. It's it's bad enough to me when he's doing the hot the hot the, the morning shows, the first take kind of thing. That is excruciating to me. All of those things are excruciating. Perkins is is immediately inserted himself into like the top tier, the Skip Bayless uh, era range of what a beatdown it is to watch this person in a quote-unquote debate circumstances. That's bad enough to have him leading the broadcast from the table. Malika Andrews is great. Jay Billis is who we expect him to be. It's never great. It's never terrible. He at least... That's somebody that is putting in the time and effort. I think that his his um, opinions are often wrong, and I think his analysis is often wrong, but it's a, it is honest analysis and opinions. Kendrick Perkins clearly has never seen any of these guys play basketball in a real basketball setting and hadn't heard their names until three minutes before the draft, and he is leading the coverage from ESPN. I... Could not believe that. And so I was looking on, is this on NBA TV? Is there any other broadcast that I can watch the draft on? And our buddy Dennis was like, it's on ABC if you want that. I flip over to ABC, and it's Stephen A. Smith and Jalen Rose. I And look, I would prefer Stephen A. Smith to Kendrick Perkins, which is a really rough thing to say about Kendrick Perkins, to be honest with you. Jalen Rose has been on TV for a decade and still doesn't seem like he knows how to talk. I, I can't. I don't understand what was happening. I flipped over. I stayed there for about five or six picks, and it was like Stephen A. Smith was annoying, but whatever. It was better than Perkins pretending like he knew what he was talking about, I guess. And then the Knicks, we're going to talk about the Knicks here in a few minutes. The Knicks pass on the 11th pick, essentially, and the rest of the broadcast was Stephen A. Smith screaming about the Knicks not doing anything, and I'm not kidding about that. I'm not kidding about that. In the late 20s, in the late 20s, wild picks were happening in the first round of the draft. They were still cutting over to Stephen A. Smith and prompting him to scream about the Knicks not making a draft pick. I, 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 I cannot believe that this is the place that we are at with our coverage of a major sporting event like this. It was embarrassing for ESPN. And it was a, like, I was getting close. If I could have figured out how to sync up the, the radio to, the inevitable delays that happen on every single different TV streaming station or, or service at this point, I would have done it because it was painful. It was painful to have to sit through one of those two guys. The biggest problem I have with the with the Perkins thing is he has never shown that he has a credible knowledge at all about no. the NBA. And like, put him on those morning shows. Give let, you know, get your clicks. Let him say the hot take thing. That's fine. This is literally judging and like judging decisions based off college talent. And if you told me there's zero chance he's watching college basketball, like there's zero chance unless it's just some dude that, you know, like he knows from recruiting or whatever, that was bad enough as it was. And then it became this game of let's see how many names he can mispronounce. And it wasn't just not funny. It's not funny. And it wasn't just the rookies. It was, it was literally NBA players. Like when he got to OG's name, like they were making fun of that. And like, look, Coming from a person who has mispronounced names left and right on this show, that's fine. I'm not getting paid millions of dollars to do a national broadcast on that. But I I also, like you do this, I, I know a lot, even more than I do. But 
whenever we're talking about people, we actually go and research and make sure we say the name properly because it's important. It's literally the first thing they teach you in journalism class. And this goes back to that whole thing of it was more about with women than it was with Perkins. But I don't understand why we're not just as if not more mad about the fact that Perkins is taking jobs from people who study to do this and will do it 10 times better than he does. Mm-hmm. And like, fine, give the players a, pl- a place to sit and stuff. But he does not need to be analyzing anything like let him come in and do hot take stuff on a ESPN eight broadcast. Like if you want to do right. like the multi channel broadcast, that's fine. Do not put him on a made feed mispronouncing names and being disrespectful about teams and players. Like in the comps he was making were just absolutely atrocious, like absolutely atrocious on top of all that. It was, yeah, I, it would have been bad enough. Like I would have been very frustrated if I tuned in and perk was like the fourth guy, fourth person on the panel. And so you're just throwing to him to get a bit reaction every now and then or, or whatever else. But when he's the guy who's who, as you say, is making the comps to NBA players, who's doing quote unquote analysis on at least half the players. I, I just there are there are so many people out there who understand this sport well and and it maybe never in the history, not maybe definitely never in the history of this sport. Has there been so much access to people who know what they are talking about and can talk about it on all kinds of different levels? Like no one is I always no one is gonna tune in to spread the floor and get the kind of analysis that you're gonna get from Nikias Duncan or somebody like that on on Twitter. Hopefully, when you come to spread the floor, you're also you're gonna get some opinions that are better than like at least like generic sports talk radio or something like that. There are all sorts of levels to this. And I understand that, that the NBA draft is, is maybe you, maybe you can't just exclusively gear to towards the biggest basketball junkie nerds, but there's gotta be a level that's higher than Kendrick Perkins and Stephen A. Smith. That's I, and I also understand that this is an entertainment thing. I would have it would have been fine to me if you would have just made just do it. Do you know what? This is the way to do it, in my opinion. If you're going to do two different broadcasts, make one of them the the sports talk radio broadcast, and make one the smart broadcast. Like do what the what what uh, college football does with the various uh, broadcasts that they do on ESPN two. Like you know the breakdowns of the Manning cast. Do something that is makes this thing accessible or watchable to people who aren't <laughs> to I almost said to people I, to people who are a little just even one step above like the base level viewer of the base level casual viewer of the NBA. I I don't know man. I was you the ESPN has <laughs> ESPN bought Draft Express to get access to Jonathan Gavoni. And look, he's not great on TV. I get it, but he at least knows who these guys are. Stephen A. Smith, I am not kidding you. I don't know if you were on that broadcast or the Perkins broadcast. Almost every guy that got drafted after the top five, he was literally like, I don't know anything about this guy. Tell me about it. It was, it was so embarrassing. And, and, and I, and, and then when the broadcast can't even keep up, like again, late twenties, they are still prompting him with Nick's stuff. And they're telling him, they're telling him information that's incorrect. There was a point where they said, oh, yeah, well, at least you guys got Jalen Duran. 
We had known for over an hour at that point that Jalen Duran was not going to the Knicks. I, it was, it was atrocious. It was an atrocious broadcast. They should be embarrassed by this, but they're not. They're not. They don't care. All they care about now at this point is having live TV rights and propping up their debate topic, guys. I mean, it, it's just, it was yeah. awful. It was awful last night. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I there was one point where I basically had the the broadcast muted or down enough to where when I heard Silver talking, I knew he was coming on. And I just I just followed Twitter and then our discord. That was basically it, because I, I don't have any I don't have any desire to hear anything. that we're, And that it just it's just amazing to me that we were getting so bent out of shape about Bill Simmons a couple of years ago. Oh, my God. Please. And like back Simmons. I would yes. take that any day over what we watched last night. That was atrocious. Game. Yes. Because good grief. Like, I, I would rather you roll out the old Monday night football, like bring out Dennis Miller and Booger McFarland <laughs> or whatever. Like I would rather hear that than hear Perkins drabble on for t- four hours. I just I don't understand how or why he has achieved credibility. It's it's very clear what he's doing. No one no one gives no one believes anything that Skip Bayless says. Nobody puts any stock in anything that Skip Bayless or Shannon Sharp or Max Kellerman or any of these people say. No one cares. It is we all acknowledge it is all about the inner the quote unquote entertainment value. But for some reason. We started talking about Perkins as if he has some credibility. That dude knows nothing. <laughs> nothing. Certainly not in this context. When you're talking about guys who he clearly has never seen play basketball. I, Good gracious. His comp for Paolo Bancaro last night was Michael Beasley. I, I, good Lord. So, so bad. And when you mix that with Woj is freaking... <laughs> Doing the Woj thing, breaking every pick four minutes be- on Twitter, four minutes before it actually gets gets made, and then the NBA's dumb rules about well, we can't announce trades until after the dra- like. So you have so many people who are putting on the wrong hat, or we gotta we gotta analyze as if they're going to this team when we know that they're going to another team, or we're not totally sure which team they're even going to. It like this is not that difficult, guys. This is not that difficult to make into a quality product. It's just, do you do you care? Do you care enough to make it a quality product? And at this point, I would say, no, they do not. No, they absolutely do not. Because if they did what the NFL did with their draft, like people, this draft is actually entertaining and it's not seven yes. rounds long. Yes. If they did what the NFL actually did with their draft, I think it would be one of the most successful things they've ever done. Like, I mean, I really do, but they just don't care. So I just think it's the so NBA easy. is getting to a point where it is popular enough where someone can come in like silver could go in and be like, you know what? This is not good for our product. Let's see what else we can get out there. And like, they're not going to drop ESPN, you know, obviously, right, but right. Like I would have much rather seen the TNT crew on that show last night. And I don't think it's out of the question for, for Adam silver to go and be like, Hey, maybe this is better if we have Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley doing this, you know, which that's, you know, I know Charles Barkley can be just as bad about takes sometimes, but not near as bad as what Perkins was doing last night. I just, good grief. I just, what, you know, the different, and I know p- people in the college that wa- they love college basketball, they, <clears throat> they gripe about Turner's coverage of the tournament and, and involving Charles Barkley and Reggie Miller and Greg Anthony and Shaq and all these people who, who also don't watch college basketball all season long. And I get it. Like they're, they're not wrong on that. It is about the personality and that's it. The one thing that I always say, always will say in, in Barkley's defense Barkley believes what he says. There's no bit to it. He thinks, I, I, I believe Charles Barkley does all the right stuff in terms of research 
paying attention, trying. He just has bad opinions. He just thinks the bad, thinks the game in a way that doesn't always that doesn't always translate anymore. But he also is really good at talking, at being entertaining, at bringing something to the table that is not just either good old days syndrome, which Barkley absolutely has a, has a huge part of it. But but yeah. Perkins is even worse. Perkins really thinks that he was Shaquille O'Neal. He really thinks that he was that valuable to the game of basketball, and it's it's just drives me crazy. But Perk Perk's mix of of old man back in my day syndrome with hot take, try to get a debate going. It's it's ridiculous. It's so bad. It's so bad, and it has no place on a show like this that that was about that is a should at at least in some parts be about analysis, not just. I don't know, screaming. I, I just, it's just not that hard. Give me an NBA TV version of this that has people on there who understand this game and can make analysis in three minutes instead of just, woo, 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 he's going to, just good God. It was so bad. It was so bad last night. Um, that said, let's get into it. Yeah. Because this is my favorite sporting event of the year. Now that we I spent 15 minutes arguing yes. about Perkins, or not, or <sighs> complaining about Perkins, let's actually talk about the draft. <laughs> I'm sick of this. I'm sick of ESPN's garbage on this. Um, all right. We're going to go through, we're going to go through, starting with Atlanta, we're going to move through to Washington. We are, we are not going to talk about Brooklyn, uh, Utah, Phoenix, because they had no picks. And there's two or three others at least that we're going to uh, we're going to just say, hey, they made a pick and here's who it was uh, and no real analysis. I did less draft prep this year than I have in years past. Hoban ran out of time. It is what it is, partly because the Mavs were so good this year that that took up a lot of my time that I normally would have been putting towards the draft. I was instead pacing around my living room and screaming at my TV and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So let, let's go through here. Uh, it, what I did is when I put this sheet together, I I, I tried to include um, the picks that were brought in for the future stuff. I did not include things like Atlanta swapped a pick with Golden State and got two million dollars for it in in the process. So Atlanta picked at sixteen and fifty one. They got AJ Griffin and Tyrese Martin. Uh, obviously, AJ Griffin is the the key there. AJ Griffin at one point I think was mocked as high as like six, so we talked about him in our episode a couple of days ago with with, with Wiser. I don't think any of us were super super high on Griffin. I do think that sixteen is an incredible value for him, and I thought that was a great pick. Yeah, I that was one of those things where it doesn't matter if he's necessarily a fit. I feel like that's one of those if he if he was in some mocks going six and you can get him at 16, you absolutely make that deal. And it doesn't really matter at that point, it, especially given where the position where you're in. Like, that's almost kind of the perfect scenario for you at 16 is just see what happens and see what chaos happens in front of you and then take the take the things that fall through the cracks. So, yeah, mm-hmm. great job by Atlanta for, for recognizing that. I don't know how it's going to go, um, and I was joking. I, it was a joke. I was joking with you and Weiser uh, in our text thread about the last time that <laughs> – the last time that Atlanta took a Duke wing who had slid to them, um, it did not go super great with Cam Reddish. Yeah. I think A.J. Griffin is, um, at the very least, I think it's it's fair to say A.J. Griffin is a um, better locker room personality, at the very least. I think it's very, that's fair to say. I think the thing point. with him, too, we talked about this, like, we talked about his negatives last time, but 
with him that we didn't bring up and I meant to bring up and forgot is that he's grew up, he grew up around a professional and knows how to mm-hmm. be a professional. Yeah, totally. So I think that's going to work well for him. He's going to know, know day one, what, what is going to be needed from him to go in and do it. Now, if he doesn't do it, obviously that's a different story, but he yeah. at least knows what is needed when he goes in day one. Yes. I really respect AJ's um, <clears throat> willingness to do what the team asked him to do at Duke. Like I said on the episode, I don't know that we got a great shake on what he, who he is and what he does because of the way that that Duke team was made, made up to be. I definitely think that if he goes to a different team, he probably has a bigger role, gets more shots, et cetera, et cetera. And the other thing with him, and, and, and so he had a great attitude about it. I think he tried very hard to do the things that he was asked to do, even though some of those things he really was not, he really wasn't, uh, it wasn't in his, his skill set. Um, the other thing is to more so than like someone like Cam Reddish, he has an actual, like a legitimate NBA skill. He was a good, he is a good shooter. So um, I don't know how that all works in Atlanta, but for me, it was just straight up. Like you just take the best player that's on the board. This guy was, so, it was a top 10 talent. I think it's, it's relatively fair to say in this draft and, and they got him at 16. So great value there. Um, Boston took JD Davison with the 53rd pick. He, he, he's a competitor. That's really all I have to say. I don't know that he, I think he's probably more than likely a G League player than an NBA player, but you get what you can get at 53. So that's yeah. really all I've got there. Totally. Same. Yeah. Great job. Charlotte. I, I just, I just, they are not the only team that are in this, that's in this boat. I really, really dislike when teams throw away draft picks because of financial reasons. It's to mm-hmm. me, it is loser mentality. It shows the cheapness of your organization. Um, clear. I mean, look, they have a plan in that they know that miles bridges is going to cost them somewhere between th- 20 and $30 million a year. So they're trying to make sure that they have the space for him. They clearly needed a center and they got one. They got Mark Williams at 15. Um, and I, I, we both liked Mark Williams. I think that's a great spot for him to be in. But, but Jalen Duren's right there. Where did you fall on Duren as far as the rest of these guys? I had him like somewhere. I, I had him top 10. I thought he was the 8th, ninth, 10th best player in this draft. Um, and 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 a, a tier above Mark Williams. Where did you, I don't know where you felt. Yeah, I, I said last time. I think he he has a potential to be one of the best players in this draft. I think he also has a higher risk than okay, other people, sure. maybe. Totally. Um, yeah, but right. here's my thing: you had two picks at 13 and 15. At 13, he was staring at you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you also needed a like a, a wing or a guard, and Oshai, who I admittedly love, was sitting there. You could have taken Oshai Abaji mm-hmm. and let the Cavaliers do what they need to do because the Cavaliers weren't going to take Duran or Williams more than like likely, and if they or they may have traded out of it, fine. But no matter what, you you were basically were going to have the choice between Duran and Williams at fifteen, and you could have absolutely done that, and then had two pretty decent cornerstones to fit around a team that's already kind of primed to make a step or they, they should be trying to make a step with LaMelo mm-hmm. and if they bring Bridges back. And so that was my problem with it, is that you didn't have to make a decision at 15 on Duran or Williams, and they didn't, but... I'm sorry, at 13 for Duran and Williams, but mm-hmm. you could have gotten somebody 
like Abaji at 13 and then fit, let the draft present what you needed next for you. And mm-hmm. instead, you got the worst of the two centers, as we talked about, which he, I think Mark Williams is going to be good. I do. I, I think he's, yeah, but I like Mark it, I, if they would have got Mark Williams, you know, because Duran went 10th, I'd be saying, great right. job. Good job, totally. guys. Totally. So that's, yeah. that's, it's not that that's not a good pick. It's that you got Mark Williams and a pick from next year that we don't know what it's going to be. And it's very protected. And so I just, I don't like the kick the can down the road. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. are in this position, like if, if you, if you have a, an assurance from miles bridges that he's going to come to you, but you're going to pay $30 million for him. Mm-hmm. And this is your answer to clear space that I doesn't make any sense to me. Like, or if you really needed a clear space, why didn't you package 13 or 15 with Gordon Hayward and get him out of there? You know, I, that's, I think there's, there are much better options. I think, than just saving yourself a couple million this year. I mean, I think they were trying to trade Hayward and couldn't, sure. couldn't find a buyer. But <laughs> but my point would, would be, I, I'm totally with you. When Dern was, was mocked as high as seven, and when he started to slide, I felt like, gosh, Charlotte is in a great position here. Um, because, I mean, you can't. Like, you're, you're right, Cleveland... I feel very strongly was not taking one of these two guys. Now they may have traded the pick to somebody else and Detroit, maybe, you know, if, if, uh, well, you know, let's say Charlotte takes a Baji at, at 12 or 13. And then, and then Detroit then steps in and is like, yeah, we want Duran. So we're, we'll trade in to get that. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. They, and they did accumulate assets. Look, they got di- from what I think has happened. And I, it's too, yeah, it was, that was also <laughs> a wild, 20 minutes of what the heck is going on. And so. also let's, let's, I mean, we should have just said it at the front when I was just ranting about Kendrick Perkins. Yeah. Shams. and Shams whole yeah. bit is it's ridiculous at this point. It, they, they both Shams way more than Woj, but they both had several errors last night. And it is just the classic. You're trying to be first rather than be right. And it makes me crazy. It's it's yeah. not cute anymore, guys. This is like, again where the NFL learned, yes. hey, beat writers, you are not allowed to tweet this out until we announce it. And again, yes. this is another example of NBA, you need to be paying attention to the league that still has you in a vice, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pay attention to them yeah. and learn from them. And this is a perfect example of that. It's, And again, it would also help if they could just say it's already been traded. You know, instead yeah. of having to go through the, 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 the runaround with, with all of it, it's, it's just, it's just insane. So my, but anyway, they ended up with, with Denver's first round pick next year, lottery protected and at least four second round picks from the Knicks. I don't know. I, as far as I have seen to this point, maybe I've missed it. I don't know that, the, that those picks have been, um, that we've gotten like which ones they are, you know, if they're. Mm-hmm if they're actually Nick's second round picks or if they're uh, you know hodgepodge of other things, it doesn't really matter. They got four second round picks and, a, and next year's first from Denver, um, which is fine. Like those are, those are good values. I like accumulating second round picks as part of my draft strategy. I think it's smart because it, you can always trade multiple second round picks to buy into the top of the second or the back end of the first or something like that. I think it's a valuable thing to, to, to do. I just, I guess my point would be, there's a there's a difference between making shrewd moves to accumulate assets and making moves that are based on saving money and this one felt like the latter not the former. So Yeah, totally. Uh, 
I'm I'm totally with you. I would have taken Obaji there probably, and then just hey, if Duran fall, falls one more pick and I get him at 15, awesome. And if not, I'm getting Mark Williams, who they clearly yeah. really liked, and and well, we're good and, with that. And also, let's not let's not forget that there was a lot of people that didn't think they didn't have a chance at Duran, and so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not only did you not take the player that's falling, yeah, but you also didn't take the chance of getting two pretty decent talent, you know, decent role players to go that can really, yeah. I mean, I, I really think Abaji and Williams and or Duran can contribute next year. And so, um, you know what Abaji just, does too, though, as well is he's a mature human being. Yeah. That would help in this, in that locker because room. Because he's, he's like, a senior. He's not a he's normal. older than LaMelo yeah. is, you know, I mean, seriously, like that would have. And, and I'm not saying Abaji fixes everything, but totally, like for, but totally. for real, like if, if a lot of the mocks had Sohan and Williams going to them and I had told our buddy Mateo, like if you come out with Sohan and, and Williams, you should be thrilled. And sure, totally, totally. They had the chance to do even better than that. So that I mean, like, like I said, it's not a bad draft. They still got a, a piece right. that they needed to get. I just, it's just, it's like a, what could have been like, you mm-hmm. really could have, I, I think if they would have taken Abaji at 13 and then got Duran, I mm-hmm. would have, I would have put them up. Even pretty high up in my totally. winner's totally. category. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Um okay. So it's it's fine. I thought they had a good job. I just I just don't like I don't like I do not like using I do not like money motivated draft picks. Because I just think it's I mean there's a time and a place. I get it. It's this is not it's in a vacuum. I feel like you can always find other ways to save some money somewhere. Um, and I, I don't like, I don't like those, um, Chicago at 18 took Dale and Terry, his name had, um, I, I think had kind of gone from like a late first, early second round kind of guy to, uh, over the last couple of weeks, it was, it was pretty clear that he was going to be more in this range than, and I gotta be honest, I heard Rosillo talking about this and I do not think that this was exclusive to him. <laughs> I think a lot of people over the last few weeks, and I'm sure he's doing great in workouts and all that sort of stuff too, but I think people were going back and watching Ben Matherin's tape mm-hmm. and Dale and Terry is on there like <laughs> doing really interesting things as well. And I think yeah. a lot of people were like, hey, this guy's pretty good. Um, so anyway, I like Dale and Terry a lot. I think he fits well with Chicago with, <laughs> yeah, but with what they're, hey, they're going to do. Ben Matherin went six, so, yes, <laughs> or whatever totally, it was. Totally. Yeah, so that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, it's kind of one of those, like, man, this guy looks really good by Ben Matherin, but he's, you know, he's mm-hmm. not Ben Matherin. So. Yeah, totally. Ex- absolutely, yeah. But I, I liked the pick for, yeah, for uh, it, uh, I, and they They're in a luxury of if they bring all their pieces back, they don't need a huge contributor. And if he just kind of adds to the – to the piece, then that's great. So I also think too, like Malachi Branham, I'm going to keep almost saying Barnum uh, for whatever reason. Malachi Branham was like, to me was pretty clearly the best player on the board at this point. He would, that is there. one spot he would, yeah. he absolutely does not fit. He would not have fit well. With, he's just, with he's just younger, DeRozan yeah. shorter DeRozan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cleveland. We, we mentioned them a little bit in the Charlotte stuff. I thought they did a great job of just getting value. Ochai Abaji. Yeah. We're both really big, really big fans of, um, I do not think that Isaac Okoro is part of their plans moving forward. And he, he can immediately step in and be, he has his own limitations. He also cannot dribble. We talked about it just a tad um, earlier this week. He does not, he does not create shots for himself, but he can shoot and defend. And Okoro can only do one of those two things. So um, I like that at 14, the rest of the guys that they drafted, um, 
Khalifa Jop is a is a I believe a draft and stash guy. Luke Travers from from Perth I think is probably a draft and stash kind of guy. I liked the value at forty nine for Isaiah Mobley. I don't know that he's an NBA player, but I think that he was around that spot was like yeah, it's worth taking a shot on on the the pedigree and the relationship with his brother and everything. Yeah, obviously getting Abaji at fourteen is a great get. We talked about that in Charlotte, obviously, but. Um, I've always been high on him. I think that's going to be a day one ad, which will be helpful. And getting a player like Isaiah Mobley to have good vibes with his brother. They've played together before at USC, and Evan Mobley clearly is part of the future here. So I think that's always a good move to make sure that he is happy as well. Um, our beloved Dallas Mavericks had traded the 26 pick for Christian Wood. We were both on board with that. I do like the guy that got taken at 26, who we'll talk about here in, in a second. Um, so maybe I would have liked to have, but it was totally worth the trade. Um, Jaden Hardy, Jaden Hardy last year, they, they ended up getting him at 37 in exchange for 2024 and 2028 second round picks, um, to Sacramento. Jaden Hardy was the number two team, excuse me, the number two player in his class by ESPN. Um, he went to the G league and, or excuse me, he went to the ignite, the G league ignite. Um, it did not go well. He did still average 19 points a game. Um, it was not an efficient 19 points a game. You could definitely see, I think that this is a guy who is probably dominated physically for the majority of his life. And suddenly for the first time ever was in a position where he could not necessarily do that every single time that he, he touched the ball. Um, I, I, I want to say two things, Tobin, and I'll turn it to you. One, I love this value for the Mavs. I did not love Jaden Hardy when I'm watching the tape and stuff. There are obviously things that jump out as like, oof, that's that's questionable. But at 37, that doesn't really matter. You're just drafting based on the potential, and you're, the, the asset cost there is so low um, that I think it's a great grab. I think it's a great grab, and I would have said that for anybody who drafted. There was a point after about... 20 let's say 26 28 Tobin where I was like okay now it's starting to get ridiculous like at some point somebody just has to take a chance on the potential that this guy brings to the table and the pedigree and all that sort of stuff so anyone getting him at 37 I think was a value play the other thing that I'm going to say is I kind of think the NBA should be ashamed of themselves on this they got guilt tripped into inviting him to the green room and they should not have done that. It, it, it leads to this embarrassing moment for him. Like, he's the last one left. He's sitting there by himself. He looks shook and upset. And he should be upset about this. The, he, he should not have gotten an invite to this. And I, I, I feel like the NBA owes him an apology. Not just because he was the last one drafted, but because it was pretty clear when they put the initial list out that they did not have intelligence on him being a top 20 pick. And if you're not going to be a top 20 pick, then you shouldn't risk that the guy's going to still be sitting there 17 picks later. Yeah, because it, we, we've seen year after year, especially with the NFL draft, whenever you, you hear about the, oh, Aaron Rodgers sat there for 24 picks and, oh, Brady Quinn sat there forever. And, like, it just it becomes this awkward, awful thing to watch. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm totally in agreement with you. I, I don't really give a – a mess about the high school recruiting ranking because I think that that's always just fool's gold, you know, in, in some respects mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for a lot of people. But I do think that this is an example of a kid that if he went to a college program that had 
a good system and a good coaching, like we might be talking mm-hmm. different story. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right. At 37, any team that jumps up to get him is great. The the best part about this is, is that the Mavs had him, I think, on their big board at 19 is, is what they said. They were looking at taking him at 26, and they, and they got him at 37 for basically nothing. So um, it just – there's a lot of things about this that you have to like. And I hope that he takes that awful green room experience and he uses it to come out and just, you know, bust heads mm-hmm. next year. And if he doesn't, oh, well, then, you know, he'll maybe be a role player somewhere else in a couple of years. I mean, that's that's the worst case scenario for us. Um, I I'd super hope after all of this, though, even if he wasn't on the Mavs, I would really hope that he's at least going to be somewhat successful so we can talk yeah. about this in a positive light. But especially now that he's on the Mavs, I absolutely want him to be successful. I mean, it has a real ch- it at least has the the beginning of a Richard Lewis thing. Remember Richard Lewis sitting in the green room crying um, because he was, you know, he was the last one picked and he ends up being the second or third pick in the first in the second round. Um, and look where he turned out. I mean, it's it's I, I'm with you. I hope that it regardless of the fact that he's now playing for the maps, I hope that it motivates him. Um, he's, he didn't seem like a bad kid at all. Um, just, it just, just, it's just one of those situations though. Like, and I think Danny said this on the, it may have been about, I think it may be about Dyson Daniels or somebody else, but that you're, you're putting together this team of people who only care about their draft stock and don't care about playing as a team and don't have a good coach or system mm-hmm. to play in. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. you're, you're seeing Dyson Daniels. It didn't affect him and Jaden Hardy. It super affected him. And, mm-hmm. and even yeah. in, in the midst of all that, he still had, 19 points a game. So that's great. Right. Right. I like it. Something I didn't like was, uh, I, I, I'll just be honest. I hated the nuggets draft. I don't get this at all. I, I, this, this draft doesn't work for me. Um, at 23, they get Christian Brown from Kansas at 30. They drafted Peyton Watson from UCLA and then 46, they get, uh, uh, Ismael, Kamagade, um, who I was pretty much draft and stash. You have two first round picks. There's no there that that team. It showed last year when Murray and Porter are out that they just they they badly need they just need talent. They need NBA players. Um, and instead they they traded Jamichael Green, who was probably their fifth best player last year, for the thirtieth pick. Let, let's talk about this one first. No, let's let's talk about Christian Brown first. I Christian Brown might turn out to be a good NBA player. I have my doubts. I'm not high on him. It is what it is. It definitely felt like a reach. And obviously NBA teams have more intel than you and I do, Tobin, but that felt like 10 spots too high. Like if they would have taken him at 30, I'd been like, okay, that's fine. Um, it would have been maybe not my pick. Cause I watched a lot of Kansas games this year and outside of some spectacular dunks where he just really surprises people and talking crap. I did not seem like, did not feel like he had a lot of impact on the game most of the time. Um, but, but that's fine. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. It just felt like a bit of a reach to me at, at 20, the first, the first like real reach of the draft to me personally. Oh, it absolutely was a reach to me. And it's no secret that I can't stand that guy. I really can't. And for, and for a lot of reasons, <laughs> I still don't know how that guy didn't end up at Duke. He's just well, the most Duke kind of player ever. The other thing is, too, is that you, you had pick 30 at that point, 
get him at 30. Like no one's going to come in and get him above 30. And if they do, then you count your blessings and you get, you know, Trevor Kills or Wendell Moore or something. I don't know. I just, there, there's no reason to take him at 23 when it's like, I think I said this, you know, earlier as well, but you can't take him at 23 when other talent is falling. That that's, that's again, that's a big pet peeve of mine of, well, this was our draft plan the whole time. Okay. Well, things change because you know, the, the, I don't know the the magic did you know threw everybody off. I'm sure that the, the Rockets' draft plan was to take Paolo the whole time, but they had to change, you know. And that's what you have to do in the draft. Right. You don't you don't just stick to a big board, you know. And if, or you'd ask yourself, is something wrong with our big board? If, if everybody's like, whoa, hold on a second. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. just yeah, I I don't don't love that pick. I don't love the trade of Jermichael Green, considering he's he's one of those veterans that gives you a lot that may not be in the stat sheet. Um, and I, I just think you could have gotten a whole lot more value for what you did last night. And, you know, also you, you are now on the clock guys. This is the same thing that the bucks Mm -hmm. dealt with, with Giannis, And now you are on the clock as well. And so you better hope that there's a championship around the corner for you guys, because you're about to have to pay a dude that can't stay healthy. And Jamal Murray, I I bet you thought I was going to say Michael Porter, but also another dude that can't stay healthy (laughs) in Michael Porter. And you just drafted the the most dookie Kansas player ever. So have fun. (laughs) That was Duke University, not like dookie like poop. So (laughs) I mean, I I assume that, (laughs) sure. I assume they have to feel like he's NBA ready. Sure. I I just don't, I, I don't, I, I, I just don't personally, I'm, that look, I will say at the very least, that's a pick that like I might be wrong on. I don't know. There were lots of people that liked him. So maybe I'm maybe I'm just totally wrong. I definitely would have rather had uh Wendell Moore or Marjan B uh B Champ, excuse me, goodness gracious. Um Ryan Perk. I, <laughs> I here's the problem with that one. I thought I had the name down and then it was pronounced differently on the broadcast. But but pronounced a couple of different ways on the broadcast, so now I'm not I'm not sure um, anymore. Um, even like Blake Wesley, I I think that. But that's the thing; were... it's not about Christian Brown. It's it's about yes. that you could have got him later, and and you might have been able to have the best of both worlds. You might have so, been able to have him and Wendell yeah. Moore or something. I don't know. I I think that what happens a lot of times is. Again, we don't have I don't have any sources. I don't know what what these what these teams are hearing. So, it's entirely possible that that Denver knew or believed or whatever that Milwaukee was going to take him at 24, let's say, or something like that. And I think that that I think that teams too often get they decide that this is our guy. And so they're willing to do whatever it's going to take to get that person. And, and in my opinion, it should, the, 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 maybe an example of this that, that sticks out that probably no one remembers is when the Knicks drafted, uh, Ronaldo Balkman in 2005. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. And, and, and the, <laughs> I forgot the, about that. <laughs> the consensus, and look, that guy turned out to have a decent NBA career for a few years. So that's fine. But, but the point was Balkman was a consensus mid to late second round pick. And they drafted Dude. him twenty third, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Radio City Music Hall was so mad about that yes. one. <laughs> yes. And the whole deal was they had gotten some intel that some other team was looking to draft him before they were going to get to their second round pick. And 
And so they were like, well, this is our guy. And they drafted him. And I feel like you just have to be willing to say, okay, then that means we're not going to get him because that's not the va- that's not that's not the value that that we have put on this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like and just just it? for the listener, he went. It was the 2006 NBA draft. He went 20th. Okay. Uh, okay. N- yeah, 20th. Notable oh my gosh. notable names yeah. behind him. Literally the pick behind him, Rajon Rondo, uh, at yeah. 24, Oof. Kyle Lowry. Um, yeah. at 26, Jordan Farmar, who whatever, still was, you know, whatever. <laughs> Dallas took Maurice Ager at, thir- at 28. That's not uh, to say that, that was not to say that he didn't work. He worked out. It was just sad. Um, in the second round, PJ Tucker, Tucker. I mean, I, I know he's kind of come, he kind of came full circle. Yeah. But 2006 was a bad was. draft, but still you can't. Paul Millsap. I'm just using that. As, yeah. You know? Paul Millsap. I'm just using that as an example of when you, when you zero in on a guy, you are more likely to over overpay or overvalue his spot um, than what his real value is because you've just decided this is your dude. And I, yeah. I just think sometimes you have to say, if it's close, you know, if it's like, I don't know, <laughs> we think he's the, we have him 19th on our board and, and whatever. If it's close, fine. But, but I, you know, again, maybe I'm just undervaluing Christian Braun. I'm not going to kill them for this pick. I think where it really becomes an issue for me is that then at 30, yeah, yeah. oh boy, I Peyton Watson is a name that I had not heard since I I so every <laughs> around uh, signing day, which now is not really even a thing, and then like maybe once right before. The, the NCAA season starts, I'll go and pull up like ESPN's top 100, maybe Rivals' top 100, and just look through the list of names and see what school they're going to. Because it's impo- I, I have no interest in following the actual recruiting that goes on. It just it doesn't do it for me. But I kind of want to know vaguely, all right, what guy, what guy is where, um, what schools have a guy who may be in the draft or whatever. I had not heard Perry Watson's name since right before the UCLA season started when he was the number 12 recruit in the country. Um, maybe around tournament time, you're like, all oh, right, Perry Watson, forgot about, or Peyton Watson, excuse me, forgot about that guy. And then look at his stats and you're like, oh my God, something went, went terribly, terribly wrong. Adam Spinella, who does these great draft videos on, on uh, YouTube, <laughs> his video, it's, it's, it, most of those videos are about, are somewhere between 12 and 15 minutes long. And of that, let's say 15 minutes, 9 to 10, maybe even more, is like the positives. Here's the good things that he does. Here's examples of it, blah, 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 blah. And then the last couple minutes is, is here's improvement areas. <laughs> Peyton Watson's is five minutes long, and it literally is all negatives. It liter- it, it's the only one I've ever seen. Like the, the It's first fantastic. Clip, I love it. Yeah. The <clears throat> first clip is him airballing a breakaway layup. And it just talks about like how miserable this season has gone for him. This dude averaged three points per game at UCLA this last year and shot 22% from three. I, I hadn't heard his name until Kevin O'Connor brought him up maybe last week and he got lambasted for it. And clearly, I mean, he would, we were right to be like, bro, come on. Um, but also I think he probably had some intel that somebody was, whether it was Denver or somebody else was, was kind of lurking on, on Peyton Watson. I, it, this is a project kind of guy, and if you're the Golden State Warriors, you can take project kind of guys in the in the first round. I I just I don't understand what Denver is doing on this one. I totally agree. Yeah, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense with the with the stuff that was available to them. Or at the very least, get your guys, but trade back and get future assets. 
Yeah. I mean, like yeah. we just killed the Hornets for doing that, but you know, Denver has a little bit more ability to do that. I, I wouldn't like it if they did that, but whenever you draft those kind of players mm-hmm. and then, I don't know, try to justify it. I mean, who knows? Maybe Christian Brown is a all rookie next year and we're all, you know, like, well, we were wrong right. about that one, right. but we've definitely been wrong before. But again, I, it's not that they drafted him. It's where they drafted him and what they could have done instead, in my opinion. Yeah. They better be right about Christian Brown because you're not getting anything out of, out of Peyton Watts yeah. in the foreseeable future. So yeah, that right. I will um, put my reputation on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just had, he had a disastrous season. He's a disastrous season. Well, especially and, and, with the, the kind of talent that was in the second round, like that came at, like, I mean, there was a huge list of pe- people that Kevin O'Connor had graded in the first round that were mm-hmm, just sitting mm-hmm. there ready to take. And again, that goes back to, Hey, you're picking at 30. You don't like get the guy you want at 46. You could have got Peyton Watson at 46. I mean, there's no doubt yeah. in my mind, you know, get, go get a guy that's a talent that's sliding like an EJ Lydell or a, you know, mm-hmm. a Trevor Keels or I don't know. I mean, shoot, even Kendall Brown might have been better than that. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. This man, that's tough. Um, Detroit was the exact opposite. Of oh this yeah, is my favorite man, they draft. did a great job. I, I they look, they lucked into it because of the Kings. <sighs> Talk about the Kings in a few. Um, <clears throat> Detroit was the perfect spot for Jay Nivey to me because you. I think it, it 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 can be hard to build with a guy like Jaden Ivey who is more he's closer to a combo guard than anything else. He's not a point guard. He's not really big enough totally to be a shooting guard. So you got to find a team that has um, a big point guard or a really good ball handling shooting guard or something like that. And look at what happens. He ends up in Detroit. They're going to pair him with with Cade Cunningham. I love that combination, Tobin. I think it's a it's a just. Truly, it is a perfect combination for Ivy, and I think Cunningham, I think Ivy will do a lot to take some of the pressure off of Cunningham as well. And then they go ahead and double down and get and get Jalen Duran, basically for the cost of, you could say they traded Jeremy Grant for Jalen Duran, to be honest. I mean, that's kind of how it, how it played out. Um, but I, I love the value there, too. And like to now have this core of Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivy, uh, Jalen Duran, Sadiq Bay, and then whatever money, and they have a good chunk of money to go spend um, this summer for maybe DeAndre Ayton or something else, Zach Levine, something else. I don't know. I I love I love this draft for the Pistons. I think they've done a fantastic job here. Yeah, the greatest thing about this draft is that not only did you end up getting a player who might end up being the best player, one of the best two players in the draft at five. It was also something that you needed and could help you. But also you got a player that by all accounts can be one of the, you know, one of the best big men in the draft. And it gives you it takes the pressure off you having to get DeAndre Ayton this offseason. You can still go get him theoretically, and it sounds like they still might make a run at him. But now it's not going to be the end of the world or incredibly devastating to the future if they don't end up signing him. So you have you have a young core you have assets now that you could theoretically trade off as well. I mean, because Killian Hayes probably now has to, I mean, I'm not saying he's not a great asset, but you know, he might, he might need a new home now. And on top of all that, you still have cap space to go do and make moves. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed with Detroit today. I mean, they, they did a fantastic job in this draft. I love it, man. I love it. I'm happy for our buddy Jacob. Sorry. I should have, I should have kept going, but the other thing too, with this is that this is the, this is the perfect example of, 
hey, we had a plan. We were looking at, you know, we were looking at Keegan Murray. We were looking at uh, Shaden Sharp. But this is what fell to us. Now we're going to do what we what we need to do, and that's take best available player. And then when we get to 13, we need to make a move and get a player that's falling that we feel like can help us. And so they're already going to buy out Kimba Walker. And so that's, you know, that's a good pl- – that mm-hmm. just frees up even more mm-hmm. space for them. Um, I did not love the Jimmy Grant trade, but now, in, in the you know, by all accounts, this seems to kind of soften that blow a little bit too. So – Totally. Totally. I, man, I love this. I love their futures. I, I think they, gosh, they've done such a good job here. What a weird start for Troy Weaver with like, remember all the weird contracts he handed mm-hmm. out and stuff. But, and, and look, I, I'm with you. I didn't think they got either, either they are really serious about going after DeAndre Ayton and that's why they do the Jeremy Grant trade or they severely overrated um, his market. Jeremy Grant's market mm-hmm. at the trade deadline because I I know that they had better offers than what they ultimately got for uh, for that for Jeremy Grant. But regardless, this is an awesome core. Now I am begging them to build the right way. Like please, please do not race to become the eight seed. Like let this let this come together naturally. Um, and gosh, I think they like they could be a legit team in in two or three years. Tobin, I I'm really think that this is this is going to be a fun team to watch what they what they do i'm just i'm begging them not to not to kangs it up um golden state super quick patrick baldwin jr at 28 uh ryan rollins at 44 Guy santos at 55 i know nothing about the other guy ryan rollins was a name that had picked up a little steam over the last couple of weeks i think they got a little value there um here's my deal with and i'm gonna throw to you first on the next couple i know i've been talking a lot the I do not know that Patrick Baldwin is an NBA player. He had one of the, like we talk about Peyton Watson and his, his terrible one season in, in college. Um, Patrick Baldwin's Patrick Baldwin might've been worse given who, where he was in the, as far as his, his pedigree and his rankings go. And the fact that he was not playing against uh, PAC 12 competition. Um, he had a miserable, miserable, miserable season. However, this is the type of team that should be taking a chance on the pedigree, like I or on the the potential or the rankings or whatever you want to call it. Like Golden State just won the title. They have several young players who are already in the wings with with Kaminga and Moody and Wiseman or whatever. If Baldwin is out of the NBA in two seasons, it's kind of no skin off their back, whereas it would be a much bigger deal if. I don't know, Minnesota or San Antonio or whoever else takes, takes this pick here. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things of they, they seem to like these projects this low and as it, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. I think Nico Mannion's like, I love Nico Mannion. I think that was a great example of someone who I thought could have some potential to be like a good Sean Livingston, Livingston type. And he was basically never in the league. And I think there's a very real chance this could happen with this guy as well. The fact that he only put like he, I think it was, it wasn't he the guy that was supposed to come out the year before and didn't, and then went back this year and only played 11 games. Yeah. yeah. Played for his dad. at. at That's uh, what it was. Uh, well, Milwaukee. I can't remember. Milwaukee. Yeah. Not great. Uh, I, the thing, the one thing basketball wise that, that confuses me a little bit, and I, I could be way off. You might be more knowledgeable on this than I am. I, I get a lot of Jonathan Kaminga vibes from him. 
And it's like, well, you already have Kaminga and he already is struggling for playing time. And so where, where is this guy going to fit in? Uh, but I don't know what else you could have taken there. That would have been an automatic, like this guy's going to get minutes from day, even if it's just six sure. minutes a game, he's going to get minutes. And so, you know, I guess if he ends up being a, a huge a player, then great. And maybe that's, maybe that's great. But I just, I don't know what to expect from him to be honest with you. And I have no clue who the other guys are. So, <laughs> yeah. As a fan of the team that just that just played the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, I got to be honest, I was kind of terrified that they were going to take EJ Lydell or Trevor Keels here and just turn them into NBA players. <laughs> like, that play hard nose and work and all that sort of stuff. I was, I was pretty nervous about it. So I like that they just took Baldwin instead, to be honest. But, uh, look, it's a potential pick, and... Again, I don't think it's a big of a deal if for them if if they miss entirely on this pick, and maybe they don't. Maybe they'll, maybe they figure it out with him. Um, he would have been. I mean, I had him like in the forties at best on my on my big board. And I'm, again, I don't know that he's an NBA player. I just think this is the right kind of spot for him to, if he's going to become an NBA player. You know, here it is. Um, Houston Tobin Jabari Smith at number three. Tari Eason at 17 and Ty Ty Washington at 29. They also picked up two future second round picks from Minnesota. What do you think about the Rockets draft? You know, this is a podcast where we don't really like to say good things about the Rockets, but I really do <laughs> like what they did with this draft all around. I think they did a great job of getting yes. they they again, like I said, with Detroit as well, they they adjusted to Jabari Smith falling in. I don't think he's the greatest fit there, but I don't think that you do anything. I don't I think if you traded out of that or if you would have done the you know the Knicks thing and taken another person there just because that's where you had him rated um I think that would that could have ended very poorly for them there clearly was a top three in this draft and then and then everybody else I think Jaden Ivey's the only other person that kind of may have been considered Mm -hmm. but they already have Jalen Green and I don't think that would have been helpful um but in the back end of the draft like I I don't know a whole lot about Isan like I you know he he by all accounts seems like a like a gamer at least but I I will say the Christian Wood trade is a little weird still, but I also don't think it's necessarily a, a loss for them considering the, the circumstances of that locker room. But turning him into a, you know, what would have been Wendell Moore and then turning Wendell Moore into Ty Ty Washington and future picks is is a pretty good, pretty good get. I think Ty Ty Washington, you know, a year ago was being talked about as a top 10 pick and maybe even a top five pick. Didn't have a great year, but he has the potential to be a good point guard and be a a, at least a decent fit next to Jalen Green. The only problem is, is neither one of them are true point guards, I think. And so that, that could be part of the issue with them. But I do think that they made they did a good job of of using their picks appropriately. Now, whether or not they can all fit mm-hmm. on the floor together, I, I, that's from here to be seen. But they did, they did what was good. They did what with what's in front of them, what they needed to do, I guess, is the best way to say that. Uh, yeah, look, I think they thought they were getting, they were getting Bancaro. Orlando did a great smoke screen on that. And I'm, I'm um, thankful they didn't get Ben Carroll because I think he was the greatest fit for them personally. So, <laughs> I, I mean, look, I there were loads of people that had Jabari as number one on their board. I had him number two. The issue for Jabari is that he just isn't, isn't somebody who creates offense mm-hmm. for himself. And he now will be playing with a player who likes one, to hold the ball. Two, but three guards who, who really don't like to so you could say hey that fits great because you you probably if, if you really believe in Jalen Green you, you you maybe don't want somebody who is gonna um f- fight him for 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 shots and and 
usage rate and possession and all that sort of stuff. Um, the 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 issue with that being the <laughs> every single person who uh, has watched an Auburn game was like he did not have guards who like literally at all who would get him the ball. And now he is playing with Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. and Ty Ty Washington, you know, all of whom are significantly, obviously, significantly better than than Auburn's guards. But I don't think any of them you would say that um, passing and distribution are like a major feature of of their games personally. So there's a little bit of that that I think probably is his point. But he he brings a lot of defense. He he brings great shooting. Um, I don't think that the I don't think that anyone really believes that that Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. are going to be paired together for the rest of time, you know. So, um, I, yeah, I think I think I think that was a number one. You can't even say it was a great pick. It was like these guys are these three guys are the top three picks. Yeah. So whatever you end up with there, you don't really have much else you can do. You take the best player that you you take the player that com- that comes to you. They did that. I like Tari Eason more than than Danny did. Um, I think that he can he brings also some some real defense to the wing. Mm-hmm. I think he's got some some edge to him. I like that stuff. And I love Ty Ty Washington. That's another guy who is all over the place in on big boards mm-hmm. and mock drafts and stuff. Um I've just gotten to a place where it's like if a guy had pedigree coming into Kentucky, then I'm just going to draft him. I'm just going to put him higher mm-hmm. on the board regardless of what he really shows in some ways because the system in Kentucky doesn't really it doesn't really do a great job of showing. We have we have tons of proof of guys going to Kentucky, kind of underwhelming, coming to the NBA and being ready to be professional basketball players, yeah. more so than just about anywhere else. So and he's the third in, in pick they, they made with. last night, and so you yes. have the luxury yes. of being able to say, "Well, okay, here we go." Because if they would have taken him at seventeen, I think some people might have been like, "Man, that might be a stretch," but who knows? And I think you could have argued mm-hmm. that he could have taken him at seventeen, and they got him at twenty nine with picks too. So totally, yeah. Good totally. job, guys. That, just, was, that was a good draft yeah, for you all. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's hard for me to watch Tyrese Maxey and Emmanuel Quickly, both of whom Ty Ty has some some of similarities mm-hmm. game wise. He's not he's not as good as Tyrese Maxey. No. He might be better than Emmanuel Quickly or he might not. I don't know, but he has similarities to both of their style of game. It's hard for me to watch those guys come in and have real success in the NBA pretty quickly. Um, and not feel like Ty Ty is is kind of on that same same trajectory. And, and again, like you said, at twenty nine, that's that's a fantastic. We're also pick. talking about if he comes out and he does decent things, and then someone presents a good trade to you, or you you have him as a trade filler or something. I mean, you have the luxury now of of having younger players that you might be able to package together for a veteran later on too. So I I just I think it's like like I said, they did what they needed to do. The Christian Wood trade still is kind of a head scratcher, but they used that asset that they had and did and did good things with it. So, mm-hmm. yep. Indiana, uh, Ben Matherin at six, Andrew Nimhard at thirty-one, the most Rick Carlisle yeah. kind of draft pick, uh, and and then Kendall Brown at forty-eight. Um, I'll, I'll let you go. You you were you were high on. I Matherin love Matherin. Before even I was yeah. high on Matherin, and and I think you were very right on. I that. love Matherin. I whenever he, he was in the tournament, I fell in love with him even more because I already kind of knew who he was. But then in the tournament, I was like, okay, this is kind of my kind of player. Uh, whenever I was watching the tournament, he was projected to go in like the late lottery, and that clearly mm-hmm. changed. He he clearly is having good workouts. Um, I think it's a great pick at six. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be good value for them. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I do think that he can contribute day one. And they've already had Chris Duarte come out and, and be very effective in, in the first stages of his career. So I think that that's going to be a good cornerstones to put him with. I think you have to make decisions now on some of your um, older guys, obviously. And I think there's they. I don't think they're done. I think they have some trades to be made. Yeah. But then again, we've been saying that about Indiana for four years now, and they've ha- they've even changed front offices since then, and we still are saying the same thing. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, you're right. Andrew Nimhard is a, is a very Rick Carlisle pick, and Kendall Brown is a very Rick Carlisle pick as well. I did not love their second round, but that's why it's the second round. It's either a hit or miss, and I think you did what you need to do at six. You you took. You took what was in front of you, and you made the and you made a good pick. With uh, mm. I, I was really wondering if they're going to take Shaden Sharp there. To be honest with you, Same. and so yeah. then to, then I don't think his workout went well. Yeah, well, and, and listen, like, Shaden Sharp might end up being a great NBA player, but I think Ben Matherin has proven pedigree to go out and do what what they needed to do day one. So I, I, I think mm. that alone gets them a good draft grade from me. Love the Matherin pick. Like Nimhart's fine at thirty one. That's fine. Um, and I like Kendall Brown. Like I don't like Kendall Brown. Kendall Brown, when I first, when I first really started looking at mocks and big boards and stuff, Kendall Brown was projected to be on at least some max, excuse me, mock drafts like a a late lottery pick. And having watched a good chunk of Baylor this year, I'm like, bro, he doesn't do anything. What are you talking about? Like he's a good athlete. That is literally it. There is nothing really skill wise that I think you can kind of hang your hat on and then watching him draft. But I, I think probably he, he fell maybe even too far. So I, I, I kind of was surprised that nobody in the top 10 of the second round took that chance and just said, Hey, he was, he's super, t- he's athletic and talented. So we'll, we'll see what comes of it. So I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. I know we're, we're like yeah, an hour. We're this is what happens when you, <laughs> when you rant about Kendrick Perkins for 30 minutes. Um, we'll move quick. LA Clippers. I got nothing on, on Musa Diabete. Um, same. The Lakers, uh, I think Max Christie at 35 was a solid chance pick. I think there's a chance that he's not in the NBA in a year or two, and I think there's a chance that he is a mid-bench rotation player before uh, at some point in the next. And if they are truly, that's fine. If they're truly in the Kyrie sweepstakes, they can't be putting any money in draft picks anyway. Totally, totally. Yeah. Okay. Um, Here we go. You said you said the name. You said the name. Oh yeah. Sorry, my bad. Memphis. Here we go. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Two things. One, Memphis. We have lauded them many times oh, yeah. over the years at their drafting. I think that they are. They have proven to be up there with the top echelon of uh, of drafting teams in the NBA, and then they are up there in in the upper echelon of of developing the guys that they draft. I am extremely jealous of the way that they have uh, they have drafted and developed over the last few years. Um, I hate this draft. I do not understand. I don't understand anything that they did. I don't understand one thing that they did in this draft. I think Jake Laravia, Laravia is, is a pretty good player. Uh, trading up to get him, trading a, a little, I mean, they traded 22 and 29 to move up three spots to get him. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand that at all. Um, I don't under, I, they have never valued DeAnthony Melton the way that I feel like Which they is should. crazy. It's, it's so odd. It's and he's such a Grizzlies player, and it, it's such a weird gap in what Taylor Taylor Jenkins does. Trading him for twenty three, I thought was in this draft was not my favorite move, and then to draft David David Roddy, who 
is like a fun player, but he's a six foot four center. And he was second I, round I, grade for a lot of people too. I, I mean, I had David like in the forties, in the forties, don't really get that. They traded for Kennedy Chandler, who is kind of the DeAnthony Melton replacement, but he's, he's even shorter than DeAnthony Melton is. Like, I don't, I don't really totally get that. And I don't know anything really about, about Vince Williams in the process. They picked up a couple, at least one second round pick next year. It's either Minnesota's or New York's. I'm not sure which yet. Um, you know, on the one hand, I guess you should just we should just give the Grizzlies the some, benefit of the doubt, some sort yeah. of like, yeah, the benefit of the doubt, and just say, well, but they are really, really good at this, so I guess we should trust it. But if the Kings had this draft, I would be roasting sure. it. I, I don't. I think that I don't understand much of anything that they did today. So fast break breakfast, the Grizzlies pod. They kind of went on a Twitter. I don't know. I don't want to say tirade because it didn't seem like they were mad. They were just trying to like process things out loud on Twitter. Yeah. And, yeah. and they tweeted a bunch of things that I was already thinking and I'm not even smart. So um, last season, this is, they, this is something they tweeted. Last season, Matisse Tybel and DeAnthony Melton were first and second in still percentage and first and third in deflections per minute. Last season, DeAnthony Melton, the only, there were three players that had a better sales per game and shot a better threat three percentage than him were Drew Holiday, Mike Conley, and Tyrese Halliburton. He was he was literally fourth in all that stuff. And then on mm. top of all of that, we shouldn't be surprised because they they tweeted out that, uh, you know, the Grizzlies under Zach Kleiman, they've literally traded up for every single draft pick except for John Morant, like mm. literally mm-hmm. every sure. single one. Yeah. So I guess that's his game. I, I think trading up for LaRavia was kind of interesting, obviously. Um, and Roddy didn't make any sense. But to your point, we kind of got to make them the benefit of the doubt until they prove, you know, whatever that that we're wrong. So, <laughs> or we're right. Yeah. I mean, look again, I like LaRavia. I did not like him more than some of the other guys that were still on the board at that point. It, it just feels like they are. And I think, I think fast break, Brett, I think he tweeted this or something, something like it, but maybe I'm wrong, but I, he, it kind of feels like they're replacing Kyle Anderson, DeAnthony Melton and Tyus Jones yeah, he said, we, he said, I got it pulled up. Full on rookies. Yeah, he said, we don't know what's going to happen in free agency, but if the Grizzlies follow a 56 win season by swapping out Jones, Melton, and Anderson for rookies, that is ballsy. And then he did clarify, I think Tyus Jones could be back regardless. So, yeah, okay. he's exactly right. A 56 win season where you guys overtook the league, people were ready to kind of like get behind you, and then you're going to replace three veterans who've done good things for you with three rookies who. You probably reached on, yeah. I mean, that's woof, not a great look for sure. But again, they we can't like we this is this is us casting stones from below in the standings, so we can't we can't complain mm-hmm. too much about them yet. It's just a lot. I, I think that I would, if you were in these slots, you know, and you end up taking like you know, if you're at 19 and you end up taking Jake Laravia, that's fine, whatever. Like I think it's a reach, a small but a small reach, a small reach. That's fine. Even David Roddy, okay, but again, small reach or maybe a big reach, but you it's the trading assets to then reach that that makes me feel similar to um oh, who are we talking about? Or oh, Christian Brown, where it's like kind of feels like you decided this is the guy and you're gonna just do whatever you can to get the guy. And I'm I don't know, man. That's I'm not but I, you're right, it's Memphis. We gotta got to appreciate it on some level but at the same time it's like gosh man i i feel like i feel like that's a really risky 
really risky play for especially given where where this team was um, last season. Totally, totally agree. Miami had one pick because of the Kyle Lowry shenanigans, Tobin, and at twenty seven they get Nikola Jovic. The dream of him ending up in Denver at thirty was unfortunately came to a close right there. I'm actually okay with that. I think that would have been super confusing for me all the time. Of so, it would like, have. like I'm already stressed out about the two Jalen Williamses on the on the Thunder. So, <laughs> um, I think it's fair to say we don't know a whole lot about this guy. You, but he no. is exactly the kind of player that you you. It's like you watch him for ten seconds. You're like, yeah, okay, I got a feel for it. I know, I know who this guy is. Whether he turns out to be a good NBA player or not, it's you know, it's fine. I think this was a fine value pick at this point. And then started playing basketball at 13 years old. It's pretty crazy. Um, Milwaukee, 25. They get Marjan Beecham from uh, the G League Ignite. I was a big fan of this guy. I think this is a great pick for them. The last pick of the draft, they got. <laughs> I'm gonna blow this one. It's not Hugo. It's it might be Hugo. I can't, I don't, Basson, um, who had a wide range in terms of like the draft Knicks liking or strongly disliking him. Russillo really liked him. I think Kevin O'Connor kind of liked him. Uh, like Sam Vecini did not like, there was, he was kind of all over the place, but in the last pick of the draft, it's fine. The big one to me is, is Marjan. I love this pick from Milwaukee. They needed wings so badly, um, through the course of, uh, of the playoff run. Um, He's not a three and D guy because he he does not have the three yet at this point like much much really at all. But I do think that he can defend from day one. He's got he's mm-hmm. big too. He's a great glue guy. I think they did a really good job with that pick there. And honestly, he he's somebody that I think probably should have gone higher, maybe a lot higher, like somewhere between seventeen and I don't know. I I, I thought his range maybe should have been a little bit higher than this. So great great pick to me for for Milwaukee. Well, it's just nice for the the little guys to win one every once in a while. So you know, yeah, I mean, great. They did a great job. I think that that's a great that's a great situation for him to be into. Of uh, he can come in and kind of learn from some championship pedigree, and mm-hmm. it's it's a t- guy that could be lottery talent, and it's a guy that could be maybe your eighth rotation player that still gives you something, and that's why it's it's a win win for for them for sure. So. I look forward to Bud not playing him in the playoffs and everybody freaking out about it. Uh, that's yeah. that's the this is necessary. That's definitely what's going to happen. Minnesota made a lot of lot of moves <clears throat> through the course of the night. Couple little picks here and there. A couple little second round trades here and there. They end up with Walker Kessler at twenty two, uh, Wendell Moore at twenty six, Josh Mino at forty five, and Mateo Spagnolo at fifty. As well, they are going to bring in, I believe, New York's second-round pick next year and Indiana's second-round pick mm-hmm. next year. But the big things here are, are Kessler and Moore. Um, for me, Tobin, that's that's a one hit, one miss. Yeah. So um, I, I think I, I would have yeah. been okay with them taking Moore at 22 and then waited for 40 to see if they could get the other Jalen Williams or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Walker Kessler, but I do think that he has the potential to be good. Um, but I don't. I don't love that pick and I love the Wendell Moore pick. That's I think that's great value for Wendell Moore, even though he wasn't being graded as high as others had him. But for twenty six and for a player that can come in and be a day one wing player, I absolutely you know, at least something off the bench is good. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then yeah, I and then no, the other, you know, yeah. the second round picks later from, you know, seventeen years from now I don't don't really do anything for me. Totally. So Yeah. Yeah. Kessler I'm not a fan of. I, I He's, he's the kind of guy, I mean, he has a great, he's an incredible block rate. 
Um, and that's cool. I just, um, he seems like the type of guy that would have gotten drafted five or ten years ago. And I, I don't know, just kind of, kind of beyond what, uh, what he brings to the table personally. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he is capable of learning how to not foul on every single possession and things like that. Not a fan. Love Wendell Moore. Moore was one of those guys that, like, again, partly because I watch a lot of Duke games, I've seen his game grow tremendously over the last three seasons and him, like, kind of change his game to what the team needed to become. Even he was essentially the point guard of that team for good stretches of the season um, and developed a lot of different things. He's clearly a hard worker, all this sort of stuff. And I had gotten to a place where I was like, okay, clearly I'm just overrating him because I've watched a lot of his games over the last few seasons because everybody had him mocked in the the early to mid second round. And I kept kind of feeling like, I think he's better than that. And then this last week, all of a sudden it was, hey, you know who I'm hearing great things about? It's Wendell Moore. So I felt a little streets ahead on that one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really, I dig what he brings to the table. I think that's a great pick for, for Minnesota. New Orleans ends up at eight with Dyson Daniels. And his mom, uh, 41 with EJ Lydell and then 52, Carlo Makovich, who I, I don't know anything about. Um, Tobin, what do you think about these, what the Pelicans did? I don't know how much, I don't know a whole lot about Dyson Daniels. I talked to us on our draft episode. Like I haven't seen a ton of tape on him and I didn't love what I did see. Mm. Um, at eight, I'm okay with it. And I think sure. that they got great value for EJ Lydell. So I think that they did, they did what they needed to do. Um, I don't think there was anybody like right after eight that I would say like, Oh, you definitely should have taken that person instead. Um, I think Dyson Daniels gives them a little bit of LaMelo Lonzo ball vibes probably. And I think they're probably trying to recreate that a little bit. If it seems like, um, but I, I think that they did what they needed to do. And so you can't really fault them for that. They, they got, they took the player that by all accounts was, was the highest rated player on the board at the time. And then they also did a great job of getting EJ at 41. And I think that that's going to be a great, and they, they've also proven that they can draft studs in the second round with Herb Jones and, you know, and even Murphy a little bit from last year. So, um, mm-hmm. so good for them. Good draft for, for the most part. Yeah. I like this. I like Daniels a lot. I like, I like the value of Lydell. Um, I definitely understand why he slid. It, there's, I mean, positionally, it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult for him to, to figure things out. Mm-hmm. I think, or for teams to figure out how to use him. But if somebody can do it. That's great. Um, Daniels is a great connector. I think that's something they really needed last season. They don't have, they don't have a point guard. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jose Alvarado is essentially the point guard there, and I'm not sure that you you want to slide him in as the guy who's 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 the starter from, from day one. And, but they do have several guys who are good ball handlers. So having an, having somebody else in there who's really his main value offensively is, is just passing and moving the ball. I, I think there's, I'm, I'm really interested to see what they can do with a lineup of Zion, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum and, and Dyson Daniels and just like how the ball moves and what they do with it. It's, what do you mean for the possible? five games they play together? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Exactly. exactly. Sorry. That was a. I mean, it's totally possible that that doesn't work at all. Like, everyone is very, very high on the Pelicans, and I get why, but I don't think that it is like a slam dunk that they're really good next year or, or whatever. Um, but I do think that this helps. I think that it helps. And, it, and they can do some interesting things with it. So I like, like the picks. New York Knicks. Okay. I, I they still end don't know up who with they have. Trevor Keel. <laughs> okay. Here's what they ended up with, I think. 
Trevor Keels at 42, which to me was great value. I like Trevor Keels. I, there are definite questions about his game. That's why he was the 42nd pick instead of the 22nd pick. Um, but uh, he's a hard-nosed guy. He has a lot of different things. He's kind of He can do a little, little bit of point-forward sort of stuff. Um, I think he has some positional versatility. So I like Trevor Keels. Um, <laughs> the picks that they ended up with, I think, are Detroit's 2023 top 18 protected. And I don't know what the then. I feel very comfortable with saying that they are not going to get that pick next year. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe Jaden Ivey is really that guy and, they're, and Detroit is the sixth seed or something. Um I don't know if it then is top if it's top fourteen protected the year after or you know whatever or does it become two second round picks eventually et cetera et cetera. Washington's twenty twenty three first round pick, which is also lottery protected, and then Milwaukee's twenty twenty five pick top four protected that came from Detroit via Portland and then and and obviously via Milwaukee before that. So they ended up with three picks. They may have gotten some second-round picks in here, too, but I think most of those are the ones that went to Charlotte. I could be wrong. The main thing is they got three pretty heavily protected first-round picks and Trevor Keels in this draft in exchange for the 11th pick and um, and and the, the ghost of, of Kimball Walker being taken off their books. I Look, Tobin, we know what they're doing here. Yeah, they need to they need to raise a, a draft banner that says you know twelfth pick cap room, so because that's all they cared about last night. I uh, I want to be really careful about tempting karma on on this. It's because look, it's very clear they are after our, our boy. They're coming for Jalen Brunson, um, and if not Jalen Brunson, then he who shall not then, be named. Yeah, you shall not be named. Um, you better be right. You better be right. Is all I'm gonna say. Is all I'm gonna say. That's. I don't well, at know. least I'll, they've I'll, never. I'll at least they've never been wrong about this before. You know. <laughs> oh wait, they have. I don't. I just okay. Here's my thing. I'm gonna say my piece, and then I, we can move on. We've talked forever. We could we could crap on the Knicks for a whole episode. Um, you had a guy that by all accounts you you liked and it seemed like you had good workouts and all the people said hey this would be a good good fit for you now you can let Mitchell Robinson walk and blah 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 and he was right there he was right there and you basically got three really bad first round picks way off in the future for him like i said about charlotte it does not make sense when the player that can help you right now is sitting right there it makes sense, I guess, if you – so I guess it's kind of an incomplete. If, if, if two weeks from now we're talking about the free agent that they've, they've lured their way because of this, then, then it all works out. But listen, we are, we are definitely the, the poster children of dry powder not working out. And so good luck. It's not a fun game to play. I'm telling you as a, as a person who's played this game, it is a horrible game to play because Giannis could be on our team right now if we didn't play this game. So, you know. I'm not saying Jalen Duran is going to be honest, but here we go. Mm-hmm. 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 It, it was interesting listening to, I listened to maybe three different pods this morning and the levels of confidence in the Knicks 
pulling this off were were kind of all over the place. So I I don't know. I most of what we hear around the Mavs is that they're very confident that Jalen Brunson is going to be here next season. Um, they definitely have kind of bl- they've at least botched part of this up to this point with him. I don't think they're on the hook for all of it that they maybe are being blamed for, but some of it, at least. Um, some things could have been handled a little bit different. To me, it just turns into this is the tax that Cuban has to pay for getting cute with his contract in the first place. Like, if you would have just given him the normal two plus one uh, deal that, that most second round picks get, then you wouldn't be having to deal with this, but you didn't. And uh, so now you're now you're stuck with what you're stuck with. And if the cost of that is $20 million a year, awesome. And if it's $25 million a year, okay. And if it's $30 million a year, that's insane, but okay. We're, we, you can't let Brunson walk for nothing. There's nothing that the Knicks have besides R.J. Barrett that I believe that the Mavs would be interested in in a sign and trade. The Knicks still have a ways to go in terms of carving out the space that they're going to need to carve out, and maybe they can totally do it. Um I think it's insane. I think Jalen Brunson is a really nice basketball player. The concept of of essentially building my team around Jalen Brunson is bonkers crazy. Mm-hmm. And and more it to the it doesn't point, work. Yeah. More to the point, Tobin, we, we kinda we went a little bit at Charlotte and I'll do so I'll go harder at, at New York. This strategy doesn't work. It it so, so rarely works. We have so many examples of if the guy wants to come there, then you can clear the space. Then you can clear the space. It's it's really not that difficult to figure out ways to get off. The, don't do it ahead of time. You are almost always asking for trouble when you when you run it this direction. We and the, the Mavs did it for years with Dwight Howard and Darren Williams and you know <laughs> Hassan Whiteside and. Whatever else, it's it it isn't a a winning strategy. So if you're gonna if you if you're gonna go this route, you you better be right because Jalen Duran is is absolutely is better than anybody that you're gonna get with these picks. And if even, you end up having to take the picks, and even you if know. like like you to your point, if the worst case scenario for us is this works and they get Jalen Brunson for thirty plus million dollars a year, like if you're a Knicks fan, like that still can't make you feel great. I mean, like. I just don't – if you were to tell me this is for a couple of the – one of the Nets players, then that, that's – okay, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Do, absolutely. Like, do you do I want Jalen Duran or do I want the chance to get Kevin Durant or he who shall not be named? Like, that that's – well, I mean, for one of them, it's not a no-brainer, but one of them it is. And so – Right, right. Um, but for Jalen Brunson, like, I mean, I love I love Jalen Brunson, but right. – and, and if you fail at this, it's going to be even more dumb. And so – and you probably will, because that's again, like you said, this is this is time and time again been the way this goes. Um, yep. So yeah, I just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You know, I, I like I think you said this, but I'll reiterate. I think getting Trevor kills at forty two is awesome, and you just better hope that those first round picks from Detroit, Washington, and Milwaukee pan out at least somewhat okay, because otherwise this is going to be pretty big black eye. I think. All right, Oklahoma City. We're going to try to move faster. Sorry. Oklahoma City gets Chet at number two. They trade these three picks for Usman Jang at 11. They get Jalen Williams number one at 12 and Jalen Williams number two at 34. Uh, I like 
I like the 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 draft for them. I you know I don't love Oklahoma City. I do, I'm not in love with with Chet Holmgren, but he is who he is, and this is it, it, this is great. It is he's the guy who is going to be there. That's fine. Like I have no I have no beef obviously with them with them taking him there. I love Jalen Williams. Um, it is crazy how how far up the board he has come from somebody who was. Definitely felt like he was available at 26 uh, two, three weeks ago or whatever, and now now he's at number 12. We talked about Usman Jing earlier this week. I have no idea what to – I mean, it's all potential there, so, you know, that, that seems kind of in line with what Oklahoma City's doing. And Jaylen, the other Jalen Williams is a, is a nice center um, that, you know, can, can maybe, maybe play a few minutes for them. So <clears throat> I think I – th- I thought they did a good, dra- good, tr- good draft here. And I, again, it's similar to the Warriors being the right team to take Patrick Baldwin. I think that the Thunder are probably the right team to take Usman Jang and, and give up some of these picks that they don't have room for down the line anyway. Sure. Um, <laughs> I think I would have gone a different way than Jang at 11, but that's just me. Um, I The thing that's bothering me right now is is the... Oh, we got a new big three with a picture of, you know, of SGA and Chet and Dort. And I'm like, give me a break. Like they like and then and now the 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 as Roger Sherman tweeted, they're the thin towers uh, between Poku and Chet. Like I just there's so much about Chet that's come out in this last couple of months that I'm like, I actually am rooting for this guy to fail now because I don't. <laughs> I cannot stand it when he's like, he just seems like the, like that weird kid in like junior high. That's overly cocky for any, and you just cannot figure out why. So part of you wants to be like, good for you, man. Good for you for having self-confidence. The other part of you wants to be like, what the heck is wrong with you? And so I'm not saying he doesn't have things to be cocky about, but there's just something about him that is rubbing me the wrong way. And I, I, and the media is not helping. So this is going to be a very interesting thing because i think if he does you said this last night so i'm reiterating what you said if he comes out and doesn't do well pretty quickly i think it's going to get ugly for him i and i don't and i don't i for, for, i don't know why i think this i don't think he's going to handle it very well it, it, it just like he he kind of shrunk in big moments at gonzaga like with you know gonzaga <laughs> so i that that bothers me a little bit so i i think it's a good draft they didn't need to do I, I personally would have taken something out of like if you're going to trade up at 11 to get something, I'm not sure I would have taken Jang. I might have gone a different mm-hmm. route, but that's just me personally. I don't think it, it, it might end up being great. And you're right. They have the assets to take those kind of risks. So it's not a bad thing. It's just I just don't think I would have particularly taken Jang instead of somebody else. Okay. Okay. I think it's fair. Uh, Orlando with the number one pick. They did a thing, Tobin. They drafted the best player in the draft. So yeah. that's something. Uh, Paolo Bancaro goes number one again. Great smokescreen on that. He did not even work out in Orlando. That has caused the Magic fans some some consternation and frustration and whatnot. Um, I don't think he necessarily wanted to go to Orlando, but he's there nonetheless. They have they have an interesting core now, a very mm-hmm. young core with Suggs and Wagner, uh, Wendell Carter. I assume that this means that that Mo Bomb. Did you see the thing with the <laughs> yeah. the Magic tweeting yeah, out the number if, five? If he comes back next year, he's going to change numbers basically. And then they deleted that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, made a mistake there. So um, I, I kind of like the young core that they that they now have, and and maybe above it all, I like that they have a guy that they can say, "Hey, here's the ball. Could you score a bunch for us now?" Because none of the rest of us really know how to uh, how to do that. So. Please, similarly to Detroit, 
I'll be honest. I like Detroit's core better than this, and I, I think they have like real potential of being very good if they continue to make good decisions down the line. Orlando maybe maybe slightly beneath that, but please please do it the right way. Please mm-hmm. let this let this kind of gestate and and become what it can become organically instead of trying to force something else in there. Like let's just let's let it be. Let's let it be because I I like I like Paolo a lot. I like what he can do here. Caleb Houston was their their second round pick and I'm not a Houston but it's fine. Whatever. Second round doesn't he's matter. the fourth Michigan Wolverine they have on their team now. So that's mm. you know okay. something. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Maybe Juwan Howard can come coach him next year. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I realized I hadn't talked about this yet. Uh, I think it's great. I, I think getting Paolo, like Paolo was my favorite person out of those three. And so I think doing that on top of the the magic trick they played on the whole league was pretty pretty impressive. So good on them yeah. for that alone. Um, magic trick. I like that. Oh I, didn't even, oh, I didn't even catch that. Good. For, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm tired. Um, well, we've been recording for seven hours. So yeah. yeah so good. yeah, great job all around. Did what you need to do. I think that there really was not a way for them to lose this situation. And I think they even did it even more than we expected them to. So I think that was awesome. Good for them. Yep. Philly had the 23rd pick. They swapped it for DeAnthony Melton. I like, I love that trade. Smart. I think it's a really, it's a really smart way to use yep. a, a late pick that maybe wasn't going to bring that much value. Agreed. Um, Melton <clears throat> still really can't shoot and it's going to cause some problems, but I'm a fan. I'm a mm-hmm. big fan of Melton. Agreed. So I like that. Phoenix had no pick. Portland, Boy, I don't know, man. Um, Portland brings in Jeremy Grant. We 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 touched on it at the very very end of our last episode because it happened as we were recording. My my I think my takeaway with that now, Tobin is is like similarly to the Christian Wood trade. Like they didn't trade anything. They didn't give up anything to get a very good NBA player, a quality NBA player that fills a real need for them. So it's a great trade. I'm not sure that it really moves the needle for me much um, in terms of like, is Portland now a good team? You know, is it a real contending team? I, I am kind of bearish on that because I think that Jeremy Grant is a little bit less impactful than maybe his reputation would dictate. But again, they didn't trade anything to get him. So I think that there's, yeah, that's great. That's real value in it. I don't like this draft. Um, <laughs> Look, Shade and Sharp in a in a vacuum, Shade and Sharp at seven is probably not what I would do. But again, as we said, uh, I I I we're just watching EYBL tape. Like, there's nothing that I'm going to be able to draw from that that supersedes what the teams are are drawing when they when they bring him in for workouts and interviews and all this sort of stuff. Um, so like Sharp talent wise at seven is like okay, that's fine. I. Do not understand Shaden Sharp, Damian Lillard, and Anthony Simons. That that is that is not a functional um there's not a functional trio to me. No. So which one of them is gone? I don't I I just this I don't really They are the they've always been, even before this, I mean this obviously is a new front office, but they've always been the the kings to me of getting too much of one thing. And then they're like, ah, we'll figure it out later. And then they don't figure it out later. Yes. Cause like there's a oh, one year that we were talking yeah. about 
I think it was like when we lost Aminu, but we were all, we were like, yeah. it was like, I don't know, there was like three wings that we were looking at for free agency mm-hmm. and they got all of them. It's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, and but then it, we're like, oh wait, none of these guys can shoot. We'll trade all of them. We're like, no, 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 just pick one. That's yeah. all. That's and what we're so, saying. Like, I don't know if this was even possible, but to me it would have made more sense for them to either trade back and get like a Jalen Duran, Mark Williams, like even, I don't know, even an Oshai or something. Mm-hmm. I don't think you should have reached for him necessarily there, but, and it may not have been a possibility, but I feel like you could have traded back and gotten a player that could have been more useful in the, in the, especially in the sense of if you lose uh, Nurkic. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. I just, I don't know, I, but the other side of the coin is Shaden Sharp has some pedigree to him that might be helpful and mm-hmm. it, it might be able to help you make decisions on, Anthony Simon or I mean gosh maybe even Damian Lillard like not not saying Shaden Sharp's going to give you what Damian Lillard gives you but like if he gives you any promise and you want to go to rebuild mode then great you know then you can trade Damian Lillard for and fleece somebody for something but I don't know I just doesn't make it I don't understand the direction they're going in at all and I think this is a, this is a draft that felt really like if you if you were seven eight nine in this draft it's, it felt really weird because like you were kind of just like oh, I guess and so it was a weird spot to be in for sure Dyson Daniels felt like a pretty good, interesting pick here. Maybe even Jeremy Sohan. I, I just, I, I guess what I would say is like, if you're going to pick Sharp, you better be right, is all I'm saying. And look, Mike, they just hired Mike Schmitz. Mike Schmitz probably knows more about this draft class than any other person in the world. So, you know, maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> there's just a lot, there's a lot of red and yellow flags was sharp and that feels like risk that feels like a risky play given that we all kind of expect that dame is maybe maybe not necessarily just like biding his time to make his trade request but is definitely in prove it to me mode i think yeah. um that's it also play. may not be healthy either so maybe that's part of the yeah. maybe that's part of the conversations yeah. on the internal stuff is that they're not expecting him to be playing 82 games so all right sacramento kings Here's what I feel like. How do I put this? I feel like discussing the Kings draft tonight or last night. You have to put it in the context of everything that has happened. Sure. (laughs) Over the last 20 years, but certainly over the last couple of seasons, Um, because like I like Keegan Murray. I think everybody kind of likes Keegan Murray. I'm not totally opposed to drafting Keegan Murray at four, although I think that Jaden Ivey is so much better mm-hmm. talent-wise than than Keegan Murray is. Um, and I I also, I understand, I agree with the concept of De'Aaron Fox and Jaden Ivey probably can't coexist. And I think that drafting for fit in the top five especially is very stupid with the exceptions of the one and the five, if you have recently committed a top five pick to your point guard position or to your center position or whatever center looks like in the current modern NBA, it's really hard to say, eh, we don't care about fit and draft another guy that fits into one of those two slots. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, again, Ivy with Cunningham makes total sense because of the size and the skill set mm-hmm. that, that Cunningham brings to the table. Fox and Ivy doesn't really make sense. Um, it was very clear early on that they wanted Keegan Murray, that he was kind of their guy because he's a quote unquote, you know, <laughs> he's a day one player because no team has ever been more committed to being the 10 seed than, than the Sacramento Kings. Um, 
And so they get their guy. No, there's no real thought though. I will say we're, we're so concerned about the fit between these two guys and they just like, well, Hey, we're going to just continue to play Harrison Barnes as a small forward when he's absolutely not a small forward. Yeah. Okay, sure. Sounds right. Um, <laughs> sounds, sounds like the Kings. Um, but the two things that, that I think change this from like, Hey, you got your guy and he's a good player. We all agree. Keegan Murray is a pretty good player and he will help from day one. Number one, I think we're both still in agreement. Like the, the entire concept of trading Tyrese Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis and just like gunning hard to be, to be the, the 10 seed is, was stupid that they've made a mistake on that front in the first place. And now they're like pot committed and they're just going to stick with it. Mm-hmm. I, cause every single person that talked about, well, Ivy's clearly the best player. What, the, what I would do if I was the Kings is I would just <clears throat> trade near and Fox and I would yeah. pick Jaden Ivy. But we knew that they're not going to do that because they just traded for Sabonis. They they have put mm-hmm. themselves in such a terrible position. And the other thing, it Tobin, still would have made to sense me, to me though if you would have said, yeah, "Hey, we're getting, yeah, we're taking totally. Jaden Ivey, oh, now we're going to trade De'Aaron yes. Fox." Like, yes. I, yeah, absolutely. Because you because De'Aaron Fox's contract is big, and I think that his value is still very high. Where somebody's going to come overpay for him, so that to me would have been the move. But you know, gosh, I. I this plays into my next point that maybe is even the bigger point. The Knicks, so they pass on Ivy, and then there's all then then the Pistons like run to the stage and draft him. And then there's all these tweets over the next five or ten minutes about teams that are calling the Pistons trying to get in on Ivy. Um <laughs> start a bidding so war, Kings. Like for for real. Like, how do you not yeah. make that trade? If all these teams are calling the, the, the Pistons, then they absolutely were calling the Kings. Like, how? <laughs> Maybe they how weren't. do you not? Maybe they weren't. Maybe they didn't want to deal with them. <laughs> Maybe the Kings turned their phone off, like like Billy King <laughs> with the Nets or whatever. I, I, I cannot believe there were so many tweets, and a lot of them were centered around the Knicks trying to get up and get Ivy. Yeah. I can't... I can't believe that the Nick that that if you take Ivy there that you can't either flip him somewhere else quickly or go the opposite route and flip Aaron Fox to the Knicks. I really if the Knicks are out there trying to give Jalen Brunson thirty million dollars a year, I really feel like they would take De'Aaron Fox at his twenty eight million dollars a year, or whatever, yeah. whatever it is. And I don't know, maybe I'm an idiot on that, but. Th- <sighs> All those tweets that came out right after the Pistons made the pick, were, to me, were just like a direct slap in the face to the Kings for how poorly they managed this thing because they just had to have Keegan Murray. I, Which is a huge bummer for Keegan Murray for, for a lot of reasons because yeah. no one wants yeah. to play in Sacramento, but also he's a good player, and if, and if he was going right. to right. the Pistons or the Pacers, we would be thrilled for them, and it just sucks that he's kind of – now he is going to be a, a forever associated with that kind of thing mm-hmm. and now he's hoping that he's not another one of those uh people from the graphic that was floating around yesterday of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one pick after yeah. the king's pick and then you have nba hall of famers basically after it so uh, that's that sucks for him in a lot of ways and it, it just like, yeah. what, like the the joke i saw on on twitter was Jaden ivy's not crying because he got drafted he's crying because he doesn't have to go to sacramento <laughs> it's like well that's probably true what a relief uh, yeah no kidding <clears throat> I just they do everything wrong. They do every single thing yeah. wrong. San Antonio, I like their draft a lot. Jeremy Sohan at nine, uh, Malachi Branham at twenty, and Blake Wesley at twenty-five. They also inherited the Lakers' twenty twenty-four second-round pick um, for one of the trades that they made. You this know, is one of those Tobin where it's like 
I'm not, I don't really love Sohan. I don't really love Blake Wesley. Um, but when you combine all these three guys together, I think it's a, just a really great talent base that the Spurs brought in. And, and maybe someday they'll learn how to shoot as a team. Um, well, so, you know, spoiler alert, next week you guys are going to hear in our feed that we talked to Pete Croato from the book of From Hang Time to Prime Time. It's a really great book, really great interview. You're going to hear about it all next week. And in that book, we, you know, so we talked about how whenever <laughs> in the 70s and 80s, jump shots were considered too flashy. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> and so I immediately last night I was thinking about the interview with Pete and I was like, well, maybe Greg Popovich thinks jump shots are too flashy because they drafted no one that can shoot a jump shot last <laughs> night. And I mean, I, it's, I guess it's not really fair to Malachi Branham. He can, he can do a good, a sweet mid range game, you know, which is yeah. just, so yeah. it's kind of fitting that he goes to a team that employed DeRozan for years and, you know, Tony Parker for years. And so, um, it's, but you're right. It's three players that can give you maybe something off the bench at the very least. Um, it's good value for Branham and great value for Wesley. I think, I mean, Wesley was being talked about as a green room invite and possibly top 15. And so, uh, you're getting two players that I think slid a little bit. I think Sohan was a little bit of a reach, but I'm also fine considering they had two other picks in that draft to, to reach a little bit for something that they wanted. And Sohan's mm. going to be able to be a defensive, defensive person from day one. So it makes sense. Um, there's also a lot of talk about DeJounte Murray possibly being on the on the block, so maybe they address shooting that way. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a pretty mm-hmm. good draft, all, all things considered. They just really hate shooting, apparently. So They do, but I love the value they got on it. Um, I love Branham. I, I really, I really do. I, I just in love with his game, um, and I hope that he figures out how to shoot threes because he's, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um I dig. I dig what they did. They're just accumulating talent. At some point, the Spurs will be in a position to make a trade for a superstar or a star or an all-star or whatever. I think. I think that that may be the plan at this point. Um, they have. They just have a lot of young wings and combo guards and whatnot. And at some point, they will cash some of those guys in. I think. So. Yeah. Totally. Um, I, I, and I, anyway, I like this draft for them. Toronto got your boy Christian Coloco at thirty. That's my boy. Now trade us Siakam. <laughs> <laughs> we're OG. Yeah. We're fine. Yeah, we're either not, way, we're, we're not, not picky yeah. guys. Like, yeah, we're not picky. We're not. We yeah. we will take Angie and Nine of That's Perkins Gosh. would call him. So, uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, Coloco. I I hope he's great. I think that somebody tweeted last night that they don't they don't know if it's going to happen, but that his that he might not have a defensive ceiling, which is just scary <laughs> and awesome. But he also could be very terrible and out of the league in two years. But. Yeah, the Coloco was my was my pipe dream at 26, and I realize now that probably wasn't very smart. But I, I loved – I don't know. Maybe I just loved Arizona basketball this year because, like, Matherin and Coloco were yeah. my two of my favorite players in the draft. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah, I, I think this is a great pick at 33. I don't know. I mean, he may not be in the league in three years, but at 33 it doesn't really matter. They obviously very badly need um, diversity positionally. <laughs> so um, I think that I, – I, I, you know – I'd probably, I'd probably rather be like, yeah, he's our starter, and just roll with it and see what happens over paying Rudy Gobert forty million dollars. Yeah, you know, you know. So that's probably where I'd I'd fall. And somebody out there is like, you're an idiot, and and that might be right. I just, you know, you really hate. Robert, I, I kind of like the so. <laughs> yeah, I liked a lot of what Coloco brought to the table. He is, he is definitely not like a a. I don't even think he's like a a going to be even like that high quality of a rim protector, but mm-hmm. I think he's going to be good enough. And 
if you can just figure out a couple of other things or how to use them in a couple of others, then you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. 33, that's great. Great value. Utah had no picks. Good luck, Utah. Washington <laughs> ends up with... <laughs> that caught me really off guard. <laughs> like, good luck, you Jags. <laughs> Trade Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks, cowards. Um, yeah, please. The... <laughs> Let's just... Just all be happy here, okay? Um, Washington, with the 54th pick from the Mavs, they grafted Yannick Nyoza, I think. Never heard of him, sorry. Didn't get that far into the draft coverage this year. They did get they did get Johnny Davis at number 10. I love Johnny Davis. Super old-school style of basketball player. Uh, hard-nosed defender. Great mid-range game. Not so good three-point shooting, but maybe he can... His, his mechanics and stroke look good. I think he can figure it out. Super competitive. Um, I I really like that move, and especially at 10. It's like that's that's the perfect slot for, for uh, his value and his talent, I think. So I think they did a really I've seen, good I've seen a lot. I like Johnny Davis and I from what I've seen of him, but I, I've seen a whole lot of Johnny Davis does not fit there. Apparently, everybody hates his fit there, so I don't know how accurate <laughs> that is, but... Yeah, um, okay. I don't know. I mean, th- whatever. I, I I think that at ten, that's a that's probably a good value for what was left mm-hmm. in front of you mm-hmm. as well. Because you can't take a center to play with KP. KP's got to play the five, and and yeah. uh, yeah. you know, so Duran made no sense for them. And then, uh, yeah, I just I think that like that's you take the best player available in that situation typically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he can play with Beal, like because he's. Neither of them are point guards, but both of them can handle the are ball. You, are you bit. breaking the scoop that Beal is going back mm-hmm. to Washington? So I'm just sticking with my <laughs> – he's getting the five years. So whatever that <laughs> – and he's a, I think he's a good Beal replacement in six to 12 months when Beal is no longer there. So that's, that's what I would – that's what I would say. I mean, he's not he's not like an all NBA kind of guy. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. I just I think he's a very good player and is the right pick at, at number 10. So, OK, we did it. We got through all of this in just under six hours, Tobin. So that's good. New record for us on on uh, on the draft pod. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, tell a friend, bring your basketball buddies around to listen to this podcast. It helps us greatly to carve out a little space in this very cramped podcast market. Leave us a five-star rating and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. In that review, tell us the most obscure or random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past, and we like to read those out at the end of the show. Tobin teased it a little bit. I'm out of town next week, um, and so we recorded next week's episode early. It is a great episode. Um, we, we interviewed Pete Croato, Croato excuse me, uh, who is the author of From Hang Time to Prime Time, talking about the NBA in its um, ascending years, so like 1975 to 1990. Wrote a great book. You need to read it. We had an awesome interview with Pete, um, and that will be out next week, plus a little bit of free agent talk. Um, and then we'll be back, Tobin. I bet Tobin and I will be back with by the end of next week with like whatever happens There's going to the be some free, free agency, agency stuff for sure. you know crazy stuff is, is headed our way. So yeah. back next week with a couple episodes. And until then, stay hard, Rodgers. Rodgers.